You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Hidden Yardage Podcast. I'm Mark Lane. Find me on Twitter at the real Mark Lane. Joined as always. By Sean Martin. You can find Sean at Sean Martin NFL. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and uh, start it off and uh, just really point out that uh, that failed two point conversion from Dak Prescott really symbolizes the state of the franchise. That's how it's been for 30 years since Super Bowl 30 is just a kind of carelessness in big situations that weren't that way for this franchise prior to winning Super Bowl 30. But they crept in, and that's the same. Like, people are going to say, oh, Dak Prescott sucks, and Dak this, and Dak that. The same things they said about Tony Romo. And you know that, Sean. And everybody listening to this podcast knows they said same things about Dak Prescott they said about Tony Romo. Exact same things. But. Where I get upset with, frankly, people who should know better, who brag about either being a fan as long or having, let's just say, access to the complimentary Dr. Peppers at Valley Ranch, if you want to put it in those terms, you should know better. This same type of stuff you see from Dak Prescott stepping out of bounds and nullifying his own two-point conversion. That same type of carelessness that triplets exhibited in the latter part of the 90s. If you find the, I think it's in Troy Aikman's football life, he gets upset with in on the sidelines in a preseason game against the Los Angeles the St. Louis Rams. And he talks about how, you know, we're making mistakes hiking the ball early. It's junior league. And he says, you know, I we should have a coaching staff that cares about this. You know, instead we're lollygagging and I have to be the bad guy. Oh yeah. And that's what was creeping in was this 
what you saw from Dak Prescott. Was this stepping out of bounds on a two-point conversion? That, to me, that's, that's something that's just snake bit the franchise. And it doesn't matter who the quarterback is, who the coach is, who the anything is. It's that. And that'll never go away, I don't think. Because the Cowboys, as we've talked about, Sean, are, it's like Jerry is trying to build the biggest possible stage. And then at that level, then I think, you know, the football thing will kick back in. Right now, I just don't think that it's primary. I think that building the biggest stage possible is primary. And if they happen to win football games en route and doing that, then, you know, that's kind of like the side quest. I don't know. Does that seem jaded? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, my question would be, you know, to start here, and that's a great place to start, did the Eagles beat you at your own game in that sense then? I mean, I'm not talking X's and O's between the lines, but when you talk about things like, you know, building the stage, but then also being able to perform on it, I mean, did they beat you at your own game? Because the Eagles certainly built the stage. I mean, they're the reigning division champions, and now they're well on their way to doing so for two years in a row, which would be a landmark thing in the NFC East that doesn't happen. And they were the last team to do it back in, I believe, what, 2003, 2004, and now it hasn't happened since then, and they're on their way into doing so. They're the reigning conference champions and, you know, had Patrick Mahomes and their Chiefs on the ropes and had a great argument to, of course, win that Super Bowl. You know, that's not how they give out Super Bowls, thankfully, for us and Cowboys Nation who don't want to see Philly win again, you know, their win against New England is still fresh enough in many minds, I'm sure, but did they beat you at your own game in the sense of, you know, they built up a stage for this game, they didn't overhype it though, they just knew at home that they would have a great chance to win and they just came out and executed a game plan that went right up against Mike McCarthy's game plan and came out five points better and it could have been two points better, it could have been, you know, an overtime situation based on everything you're saying about the two-point conversion play that became such a pivotal moment in this game. But, yeah, I'm fascinated by, you know, what you said there in terms of we're still going to have to wait and see exactly what Jerry says about this game, and I can't wait to hear how he puts his usual spin on, you know, well, we played hard, and well, you know, the guys that we brought in are making a difference and, you know, showing that we can be competitive with them. We're going to see him again at home, so it's all good. And, you know, all these things that we wish we wouldn't hear from him this week, I'm not betting any money or any faith whatsoever that we're not going to hear those things. It's going to be running the mill, Jerry, and I'm sure he's going to say he's a little bit disappointed and the players are visibly disappointed when they came off the field. You saw that and McCarthy and co. as well. So all of that we'll get into, but yeah, as far as building a stage, but also the all-important, can you perform on that stage once you get out there? I mean, the Eagles just did that. So if you want that to be the measuring stick for where this Cowboys team needs to go, yeah, you're going to see them again. Maybe you earn a series uh, split with them. That certainly seems possible. You certainly did prove that you can play with them. You certainly had a chance to win this game. But we said the same measuring stick type of thing about the 49ers game, and you had no chance to win that game. So... 
you know, take it however you want. You're 0-2 in measuring stick games. And, yeah, one of them you had a chance in. But at the end of the year, they don't remember, oh, the games you had a chance in that defined your season. They remember the ones you won to define your season. And right now, the Cowboys have a long way to go, a long path ahead of them to win enough games that are going to define their season as one where they really thought it could go. I mean, I remember an off-season show that we did where our last segment we talked about, you know, do you think this is the year where the Cowboys can really be talked about as contenders? And that's always a little bit of a silly topic. No, you know, no shade on you for coming up with it. But, you know, it's a silly topic in the sense that we have no idea sometimes who the contenders are going to be. And the Cowboys have a big contenders in 20-plus years. So it's like, yeah, you know, it's anybody's guess when it's going to be legitimate to say that they are and actually be proven right. But even you yourself, with all this history knowledge and everything you just said there, which is completely accurate about the 90s and the triplets, it's all spot on. You yourself said, you know, yeah, I think this organization finally put them, to use your words, in the scales this year. And, well, again, you've been in the scales with a couple of regular season battles that could hopefully go just the slightest way, (laughs) you know, the slightest bit, improving that They've done so from a front office standpoint, from a scheme standpoint, from a coaching, from a level of play, all of those things. And 42 to 10 against the 49ers, you're never going to live that down all year. And yeah, you have a chance to live down this game because you see the Eagles again, like I said. But you're not going to live down the way that this 28 to 23 loss unfolded. I sure don't think so, just based on what it means for the division standings, the confidence of this team, the scheme, a whole lot of things to unpack when it comes to why this team fell short once again. Yeah, and that's just the thing is uh, it just it just shows where they're at, which is, you know, you said the division uh, as the NFC East hasn't had a repeat um, winner since 0304. Well, you know who that was, don't you? It was the Eagles. And that's the thing is but they began it and now they're going to end it. And what was Dallas in 03 and 04? They were just a wild card team. You know, in 04 they went 6 and 10. The year before, 10 and 6. So that's just basically what I guess the Cowboys' legacy is, is just kind of a wild card team. Instead of being the division standard, you know, they've fallen back to just being a road team through the playoffs. This league doesn't care when you think you're good enough to accomplish something, you know? This league doesn't care like, oh, you know, we think we're contenders now, so we're going to just get through these obstacles, whatever happens to be ahead of us in the division. If we don't win the division, we'll do it for the wild card, whatever. I mean, this league does not care. If you're a good team, but you happen to be stuck behind an even better team, which the Eagles has proved that they are in comparison to the Cowboys head-to-head in the most blatant way, they don't care. You know, it's not, there is no, you know, oh, we feel sorry for you. There is no, well, we'll make a documentary about the best team that's that never won it. You know, you just have to overcome and find ways to put yourself in a better situation than the teams you have to beat to get where you want to go. And the Eagles are the team, this Cowboys team needs to get by right now. And yeah, we can talk great about, you know, the past record against them and how Dak always gives you a chance against them, including on Sunday night. So 
all that is still good and positive, but yeah, we're trying to we're trying desperately to talk about this Cowboys team for really the past two seasons as a legitimate Super Bowl contender, and you know they can't get out of their own way when it comes to well, if you want you want us to talk about you as a contender, the elephant in the room is how you're going to get better than the Eagles because that defines a big path towards how you can make a Super Bowl and the Eagles go out and use the trade deadline like you're supposed to when you're a contender and go get these players where the Cowboys insist on, oh, in the offseason when you got Brandon Cooks, by the way, where was he today? It's Stephon Gilmore who committed that big penalty. Controversial, but yes, a penalty, you know, nonetheless. Those are your trade acquisitions. Well, there's a difference maker right there. So, yeah, this league doesn't care about, you know, oh, we had a great team, but we just got stuck behind a team that was even better in the division or a dynasty type team, or, you know, we could have done it if not for the Eagles or this or that. You just have to find ways to take whatever situation is in front of you and, and seize it. And that's the, op- that's the message that this team in the organization and the building is hearing, you know, the whole carpe omnium thing, seize everything. That's literally their internal message this year is to go out and do it. And they had so many opportunities there on Sunday and, uh, and they fell short once again. You know, different context in the 49ers game, different different light that we could talk about. They certainly competed, and we could talk positive about some of those things and what we did like from this game. That time will come. But, yeah, a loss is a loss. It's not quite as humiliating as what the 49ers did to you. But since that game, the Niners haven't won a game. So that, that adds light to why the Eagles might be your biggest contender and why they were your biggest rival and team you should worry the most about. And all they did was add to why you should worry about them in this home performance. I mean, completely just... It almost like they almost was like they played dismissive of Mike McCarthy's game plan. I mean, not to completely just put it aside or, you know, get too out of my heels here, but, you know, it's almost like the Eagles recognized that the Cowboys had a decent game plan and they were just like, you know what, we're going to win anyway. Like, they just were a step ahead when they needed to, and they let the Cowboys gain some yards when they were there and throw over the middle, but they tightened it up in the red zone. And, you know, defensively, they, they got the pass rush going when they needed to. And then when the Cowboys were on defense, the, you know, the Eagles knew they had four downs if they could get into a short situation like they do against anybody, and they took advantage of those things. I mean, it's almost like they had all the respect in the world for the Cowboys, but they didn't at the same time. It was just like, okay, we know what you're going to do. We're going to let you do some of the things that you're good at, but you're going to give us opportunity to show what we're good at, and that's going to be good enough to win. And that's exactly what happened when the Eagles uh, made more plays in this game than the Cowboys did and made the difference on the scoreboard, made the difference in what's likely going to be your 2023 NFC East uh, standings. Cool story, bro, but Dallas had first and goal or first and five from the Eagles' six-yard line. And they had a false start. A false start. They shot them on they shot themselves in the foot. So I'd buy that, like what you're saying, but they had first and five from the six. And they shot themselves in the foot. And that's what I'm saying is it's that. That that's infected the franchise, and I don't know how you exercise that. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's an impossible thing to answer, uh, you know, the false start and continuing to go backwards after a delay game, too, of course, is incredibly frustrating. You know, you could say on one hand you were fortunate to 
even get the ball down there and it took some Eagles penalties. But look, we see week in and week out, you know, I don't know how much non-Cowboys games our listeners watch, but certainly, you know, it's a non-zero amount and you're watching some red zone, if anything, or you're watching the night games. You know, you see teams go up and down in short clock situations all the time. The league is built on things like that. They want games to come down to exactly the situation that this Cowboys-Eagles game came down to. But, yeah, you shot yourself in the foot. You you had a self-inflicted penalty there, two of them, to say the least, and... It fell short that way, and on the drive before it, you know, you had the incompletion of the Jalen Tolbert, and it's like, yeah, it's great to be able to follow the ball to see the am and he was still productive in this game. His route tree was all over the place, and he was caught, and, you know, he did catch the last play of the game, even though it was woefully sort of the end zone, but why are we throwing the ball to, you know, and we all wanted more Jalen Tolbert out of the out of the bye week or from the jump of the season. I'm not going to be the last person to say that we don't want more Jalen Tolbert, but look, again, in the context of desperately trying to talk about this team as a Super Bowl contender, I mean, this NFL Sunday got started earlier than usual because there was the Germany game, Chiefs Dolphins, great game, and, you know, yeah, Patrick Mahomes isn't throwing to his usual cast of, you know, he doesn't have Tyreek kill, he's on the other side, head-to-head in that matchup, which made it intriguing with the Dolphins. And they didn't score a point in the second half of that game and still won. But, look, they're still efficient enough to to know, you know, a game on the line. Mahomes has somebody he can trust. Dak Prescott deserves someone he can trust besides CDLM and Jake Ferguson. But on fourth and eight, we're already ready to throw the ball to Jalen Tolbert. And again, I like Jalen Tolbert. But, like, you know, you brought in Brandon Cooks for a reason. And where was he today? And, you know... Was the separation there for Tolbert on that throw? No. Was the route even creative at all to let him use his speed and make a move to the inside, which is where the Eagles were vulnerable and leaving a lot of space uh, for a lot of the big plays the Cowboys made previously in this game? Of course it was. So I know we'll talk more about that when we talk about (laughs) McCarthy coming up here. But, yeah, to see a fourth down play for a team that we want to be a contender go to – a still relatively inexperienced player like Jalen Tolbert. I mean, that's just a damning moment on the whole season, really, not to over-contextualize it. But, yeah, I think it really does carry that much of a context for the remainder of the season when it's like having been in this position before of knowing Dak Prescott, when he has to play hero ball, it's not going to be as consistent as you need to to win. And that was a hero ball type of throw to a receiver that shouldn't have been in that position, and it went a long way in deciding this game, along with, you know, the desperation drive where you got the ball back, but those two things combined are the reason you lost this game, and it's, uh, you know, something that you can look at from the receiver position of why you don't have more around your quarterback and why Prescott had to play hero ball while Jalen Hurts played really, a, you know, a pretty quiet but efficient and ultimately a winning game. Here's a fun exercise for this game. Ask yourself the three to five best throws that Dak Prescott made and it's pretty easy to come up with some type of list. I mean, the list will vary and you'll forget some, whatever, but just refresh your memory on clutch plays that Dak Prescott made in this game and they're plentiful, right? Do the same for Jalen Hurts. I can't remember a damn throw he made. I mean, it was just, everything was on script. It was open. They ran the ball well when they needed to. You know, the pass rush got there and affected him, so it's not like he played a, 
a, a clean game from that perspective. But when he was clean, man, he just picked you apart and did just enough to win this game. And there was a contrast that's not going away anytime soon. There's, you know, this idea that this team just can't execute in clutch time that you opened with. That's not going away anytime soon. There's the idea that the Cowboys could have done more at the trade deadline and helped this offense more when they've been inconsistent all year, but instead they leaned in on, oh, well, we're not inconsistent. We just scored 43 against the Rams, and, you know, we've put up big totals against some other bad teams. So, yeah, there's a little bit of inconsistency, but come on, look at the point totals. And then he only scored 23 in this game, and it wasn't enough. So, and on the other side of that, could you have helped the defense more at the trade deadline? And what could I have used in, you know, this game to uh, to make the difference? Certainly a little bit stronger at the linebacker position where the Eagles became the first team to really pick on Marquis Spell a little bit in the play-action game. So things like that are of note. And all that adds up to, you know, a long stretch of games now where the Cowboys are going to be kind of soul-searching and the every win is going to mean a little bit less in terms of, yeah, you won, but let's not forget what you did against the Eagles and 49ers. And every loss is going to be damning from the perspective of, knowing that you know you lost for the reason of this roster just not being built up to the level that other contending rosters or the roster made across from you that you just lost to in the Eagles or any other team the rest of the way uh, is established at. Meanwhile, why the Eagles have to uh, you know win this division as well? So, yeah, it's a, it's a tall mountain to climb for the Cowboys right now to process this game, figure out what went wrong, understand that there's still something to play for in front of them and wrap their head around it. It's a monumental task for Mike McCarthy and staff to regroup from this one. Well, let me ask you this, then. Um, Relative to Mike McCarthy, I mean, do you feel like this is the game that put him on the hot seat? I know everybody has said that, you know, since he was hired. Uh, But, you know, they dropped two games, like you said, measuring stick games, and one of them was to a team in your division that, you know, you really haven't faced the two of you in your best, uh, you know, full capacities, because it was Dak Prescott versus Gardner Minshew, and then Jalen Hurts versus Cooper Rush last year, and then you had 2021 when the Eagles were just, you know, really kind of coming into their own, so to speak. This has been the first real chance that you've been full strength, they've been full strength, and then this is what happens. So, again, in the context of the 49ers game and just where Dallas is right now, um, I mean, you think that this is the game that – Turns on the burner. Uh, in some ways, yes. I mean, let me start by saying I don't think this was a horrible game plan by Mike McCarthy on the offensive side of the ball. You know, we heard from Christian Scales a couple of weeks ago that he's not really involved with the defense. He puts a whole lot of trust in Dan Quinn to run that side of the ball. So we'll have to talk about that separately. So really, when we talk about you know McCarthy, it's all eyes on the offense and how he's tied his future with this franchise to you know being the play caller this year and getting the most out of it, and certainly it wasn't a bad game point. I mean, coming out of the Rams game, we wanted to just see an extension of that 
in this Philadelphia game, we knew it wouldn't be quite as easy. The Eagles are a more formidable opponent, and you're on the road. But against the Rams, the pass offense, you know, funneled through CDLM, and it was efficient, and you hit them over the middle, and then everything stemmed from there. And again, in this game, CDLM led you in targets and catches in the yard, 16 targets, 11 catches, 191 yards, didn't find the end zone. That was Jake Ferguson and Jalen Tolbert catching your touchdowns, but you didn't have that cascading effect of, you know, the coverage that Lamb dictates really making a whole lot of plays for others. You know, Ferguson was the most direct benefit of the attention that Lamb was getting, but, you know, beyond that, it was Tolbert, and then when you called, when you tried to call his number one additional time on that fourth down, it didn't work out, and Prescott was certainly running for his life a bit too much in this game for McCarthy's liking, I'm sure, to, um, you know, really say that the pass protection and the blocking game plan scheme was where it should have been coming into this game. Certainly a rough day at the office for right tackle Terrence Steele, so we'll get into that. But, yeah, I think this on paper should be a game that turns up that pressure on McCarthy because, I mean, how can it not? It's the type of game you were brought in here to win. It was an offensive game plan where, again, it just seemed like the Eagles felt comfortable, you know, letting you kind of do your, do your thing with it. You know, certainly they weren't comfortable – when the Cowboys pulled off that miraculous last-minute drive and pushed it all the way down there to the 11-yard line, that was not in the Eagles' game plan or favor to allow that to happen. And Then they were expecting Frozen to the end zone, but they got bailed out by the false start, and the Cowboys sending themselves backwards from that point on. But everything up to that point was seemingly the Eagles just you know, knowing what the McCarthy game plan was on offense, and it was stagnant, it was all the things we used to talk about under the Jason Garrett era of, you know, just predictable and kind of bland, and my, my whole word the whole night, you know, watching this game with friends and what have you, and uh, getting ready to discuss it here, was just sense of urgency. I mean, where was the sense of urgency to understand that the Eagles offense is the best, one, the best, if not one of, ball control offenses in the NFL, and you can't just, you know, go possessing for possessing with them. Where was the sense of urgency, like it was against the Rams, to push the ball downfield or to, you know, steal an extra possession somewhere or try to play with more, you know, urgency to take this game into your hands as opposed to just letting the Eagles dictate everything that really happened besides the penalties for you. For Dallas, which is another damning point for you know McCarthy, not just this game or this year, but his whole tenure, we've been talking about penalties. So you add all that up, and certainly, I think this can be a bookmark game for exactly where things went sour. For you know, I wouldn't say him losing the locker room or the team or anything as dramatic as that, but him just losing a grip on knowing that this Cowboys team wants to be better. They have the roster to be better. They have the front office that built the roster that expects to be better and yet the results are disappointingly the same. I mean, this just felt like the type of Eagles loss that we were used to from years past. It didn't seem any different, especially in the offensive side of the ball. And, yeah, it feels like a game where, you know, McCarthy's going to struggle to um, be able to be able to move on in the right direction for this team. I mean, yeah, you have the Giants coming in next week. That's certainly a, a get-well type of game based on what you did to them in week one, but, Look, none of us are going to forget this game that quickly to the point where you could beat the you know you beat them forty to nothing in week one, you could beat the Giants fifty to nothing, and we're still going to be saying yeah, but what happened last week against Philadelphia? I mean, there's no amount of showboating or running up the score that could deal against the Giants that makes us feel better about falling short against the Eagles here, and that falls on McCarthy. So yeah, this should be 
the hot seat game for him. But also at the same time, you know, we know how long the lease was on Garrett. And so, like I said, if this loss feels similar to those types of losses and, you know, the offense was still relatively efficient and did move the ball and tried to establish their own and all those things that Jerry, you know, supposedly likes to see. I don't know if it actually is going to be or not. You know, like I said, my personal thought is that it should be, but just in the context of what we think is actually reality around the star, we know that Jerry, you know, has dealt with worse losses and seen worse losses and seen very similar losses recently under past regimes and has given those regimes time to, uh, you know, try to correct it and move on. So in theory, it seems like McCarthy will get that amount of time. He certainly at least has the rest of this season unless things go really south. He has the bounce back game right here in view against the Giants and we'll go from there as the Eagles also hit a tough stretch of their schedule so things aren't completely dead in the water yet. But if those things don't go well for the Cowboys, yeah, we'll be coming right back to this week nine game. I have zero doubt about that. The thing is, with this game, it shows that you don't have the best coach in the division because he went that up Mm -hmm. with Nick Sirianni and lost. And that's what I'm saying is, so far, McCarthy's not really had any uh, blemishes on his, you know, tenure with the Cowboys. I mean, even in 2020, you say, well, it was the weird COVID year. But then 2021, well, you know, San Francisco was just too tough. And then 2022, uh, you know, we're just kind of knocking on the door. But now it just feels like that everything, all the changes you made and with the coaching staff, with McCarthy being a play caller now, with getting um, Stephon Gilmore and Brandon Cooks and keeping Dan Quinn around, and then you still can't beat the best teams in your conference. You still can't make the statement that your team is the best in the conference, that it's 1-2, you know. I mean, at this point, it's probably one, you know, Dallas is probably the fourth best because who knows how good the Seahawks actually are. And that's what I'm saying is that you're among the also-rans. And if what's the difference between that and Jason Garrett at that point? So that's what I'm saying. I think this game may be the real blemish. And now and like I was saying, you can overcome it. It's not you can you know, we'll see how the rest of the season plays out. But I'm saying in terms of the full body of work, I think this is a real shot to the body. In the context of this being a overall strong game for Dak Prescott while not being a you know positive one for Mike McCarthy is certainly very interesting because you know you've been more on this than I have, but you know you've talked about how this team is trying to prepare for not only if they have to move on from McCarthy but the entire McCarthy and Dak uh, you know ship if you will to pair those together and have your quarterback 
head coach pairing, which is all important in this league, be, you know, a fresh. But, you know, at this point, it's like, hey, Prescott played a good game, and it almost feels like it would be, unfortunately, you know, too late if you're getting him, you know, how many more of these losses do we have to say, oh, he played well, but he lost. And then you got him, you know, a third, another head coach, which would be his third, Garrett McCarthy, and then whoever else you can bring in. You know, we're almost bordering, and this is hard to believe considering we can still vividly, you know, remember his rookie season. At least I know I can. I'm sure you can as well. 2016, and now we're here in 2023. But, you know, it's almost like bordering on territory of, you know, why didn't you do this sooner if they do get another coach in but decide to stick with Dak and they start playing well with him and the offense is all these things we wish it's been for so long with innovation and it's the Mike McDaniel or it's Sean McVay and it's, you know, whatever trendy thing you want to say about how this team can play offense compared to how the, the real contending teams are, are doing so right now. If they finally reach that point, I mean, I, feel, I think we're getting dangerously close, if not already there, to the territory of saying it, you know, it's getting close to being too late to say those things about a Dyke Prescott offense. So, yeah, it doesn't help McCarthy at all, but it also isn't helping Dak that, you know, these at the moment they're paired together and McCarthy certainly isn't calling these games to get the absolute most out of Dak Prescott. They got the most out of him today in the terms of he just made the plays that were available and, you know, play calling in other situations let him down. But scheme-wise and, you know, just overall game plan-wise, they're not maximizing uh, what Dak Prescott can be in an all-important year for a quarterback that's not getting any younger. And here's the conspiracy theory is Mike McCarthy, they let him go. They trade Dak for, for draft picks. And they get in an, a young offensive mind to work with Trey Lance, to be the Trey Lance whisperer, so to speak. And then if that doesn't work out – then they will absolutely invest in a quarterback. That's a conspiracy theory. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't sound like, just after a loss like this, it doesn't sound all like conspiracy. I mean, if we were coming on after a win against the Eagles, I'd break out my tinfoil hat. But yeah, after a loss like this, you know, and look, I'm not putting the loss on, that doesn't mean I'm putting the loss on Dak Prescott or, or any of those things. You know, some fans are already trying to do so, and that's ridiculous. So let me be clear about that. But yeah, just the fact that you did lose this game, and we're trying to talk big picks about what it means, doesn't make that idea of, you know, potentially seeing a new head coach plus Trey Lance uh, all that far-fetched because, you know, again, how many more of these types of losses do you need to see under Garrett or McCarthy? It's just same old Cowboys. Yeah. Um, I do want to, you know, just say before, you know, we turn the page, uh, you know, there's still an optimistic moment to be had because you get the Giants, you get the Panthers, you get Washington on Thanksgiving, you could have a three-game winning streak right there, and then all of a sudden you're eight and three, uh, and then you have that Thursday night clash with Seattle. You're looking at a nine and three, going into 10 days rest, a Sunday nighter rematch with the Eagles. And if you catch them and surpass them at that point, you know, yeah, it's a murderer's row uh, for the next three games. But you can, st- I think you can really reshape the narrative. So there's still a chance to reshape the narrative left on this season and not, 
you know, in a goofy kind of way, but, you know, significant. Or to add to, you know, the murderous row, the context there as well, all important. While the Cowboys are playing some winnable games up ahead, the Eagles play the Chiefs next week, the Buffalo Bills, and then the San Francisco 49ers. So, yeah, they face a potential tough stretch. I mean, who knows how any of these teams are going to look. You know, the Chiefs didn't score a single point in the second half and still won in Germany on Sunday, like I said. So, you know, do, can you can you go a whole half against the Eagles without scoring a win? You know, I, I have my doubts about that, just the way the Eagles control the ball and, uh, you know, could put up points efficiently. So, you know, again, any of these matchups with the Eagles, who knows? It's it, it's late season NFL at this point, and anything can happen. What we do know is the Cowboys have those favorable matchups. We do know enough at this point to say that they probably will win those. I mean, I'm not going to overreact to the Eagles loss and say, oh, well, now they're not good enough to go win the winnable games. We know that they handle their business against teams they can dominate, and so it does set up nicely to uh, you know, still carry a lot of meaning going into the home game primetime against the Eagles. But, yeah, we're, we're, we're here less than 24 hours after, you know, just deflating a loss where it was such a game of inches. It was Luke Schumacher on fourth and goal. It was a two-point conversion out of bounds. It was penalties when he had a chance to win it on the last play of the game. It was, you know, giving up the tush push to the brotherly self, whatever you want to call it, whenever the Eagles needed to go to that and everything in between. So, yeah, the Eagles still have to answer some questions going into the stretch leading up to this next Cowboys game, but, you know, so too do the Cowboys, and you better be the Eagles answering them after a win. That's always better, and, you know, certainly the tone of this very podcast changes after a win compared to how we're sitting here right now discussing the state of the franchise and the state of all these things as far as futures of quarterbacks and head coaches and very big-picture idea of this team just consistently not being good enough when it matters the most as they lose 28-23 to uh, there in Philadelphia. Where would you put this game in terms of uh, Cowboys-Eagles all-time games? I think just as far as drama and a game, it ranks right up there with, you know, for me, I had to do some digging to remember some of these games, and recent history doesn't help too much because we didn't have Dak Prescott versus Jalen Hurts at all last year, as you already mentioned, but we didn't get, that matchup, so you have to go back a bit to a, you know, even see when both teams had their desired QB ones. And for me, it compares to, again, just from a game drama standpoint, and certainly not from, you know, a deflating loss standpoint, the 29 23 overtime game in 2016 with the overtime game winner to Jason Witten. I mean, that was just high drama in that game, and there were big plays that the Eagles left on the field with Carson Wentz that opened the door for you. and then here came the Cowboys offense and they took full advantage like they weren't able to do in this most recent game. And Jason Witten, you know, timeless at that point. And he makes a big play against a division rival, which he was always good for. And he wins the game. Certainly it also brings back flashbacks to the, uh, the Jason Garrett loss at the end of the season when Amari Co- in Amari Cooper's last year where he was left on the sideline for that fourth down play and we were all questioning why, and then the Cowboys don't get it, and they lose that pivotal game. So, to compare it to another loss in Philadelphia, it's certainly that one. But just from a pure, you know, football fan drama standpoint, um, it sits right up there with the 29-23 October 30th, 2016 game that went to overtime and was won by Jason Witten. Yeah, I think it's up there with uh, the T.O.'s return to Philadelphia 
in 2006. That was a good one. Uh, I'm looking at it from the perspective of football fans. I mean, you know, from a pure Dallas perspective, you'd have to say the 1992 NFC Divisional Playoffs. I mean, come on. But um, I think it was up there with that. It was up there with uh, Week 3, Monday Night Football, 1997. Uh, You know, it was up there with uh, uh, the overtime one in 2018 where Amari Cooper caught the touchdown pass in overtime. It was just thrilling and dramatic. Uh, Just everything went down to the wire. And uh, you just felt like both sides left it out on the field. And uh, that's where I think this ranks. What's your magical fix for this run game? At this point, we're so deep in the season. It feels like, you know, that needs to be selfed into the offseason to talk about how they can do anything for this run game. There isn't much that they seemingly haven't already tried for this season. But, you know, how, if you if you got anything, how can they get more out of the run game so that they don't need Prescott to keep dropping back? And, you know, it's, it's great to be saying that these short passes are extensive in the run game, but with a pass rush as ferocious as the Eagles, you you almost had to see it coming, and, and it happened where you just knew, you know, the amount of dropbacks, even if he was consistently finding open CDIM or Jake Ferguson to throw to, you know, things are going to happen when you have to drop back that many times, and that's why the lack of a run game was a pretty uh, significant factor in this loss. Yeah, I, I don't know that I would have any magical fix for it. Yeah, my, my thing that I found interesting with it was, you know, I went back and looked at that fourth down play to Tolbert, and Dak's first read was actually Brandon Cooks on that play, so it was interesting to see, you know, where was Cooks, and I've mentioned that a few times or so, but, you know, you did try to get him involved there and maybe catch the Eagles sleeping as far as the guy you haven't targeted that much yet to that point. So he looked all the way to the far side of Cooks, and then the second read was to come all the way back across to Tolbert, but I don't know why you forgot about Jake Ferguson on that play. You actually beat his man from the inside, you know, at the slot position pretty well. It got open, but the read just called for going from Cooks to uh, to Tolbert, and then the throw to Tolbert was a bit behind and ended up incomplete. But on that play, it was Tony Pollard at running back, and he got kept in as a blocker, which kind of dictated, you know, where the ball was potentially going because on the previous two, uh, plays in that drive where you took a sack you had Rico Dowdle in the game and he was a part of the pass pattern so it was more of you know the Eagles being able to key in on okay if Dowdle's back there we know he's the pass protector but they're just going to get him out of there so that they're not worried about pass protecting so they can throw it deep they're worrying about getting the ball out of Prescott's hands and then with Pollard it's either going to him or he's staying in and so once it was you know diagnosed on that play that he stayed in. Yeah, Prescott had time to throw, but it was a quick read from Cooks to Tolbert, and then the ball came out incomplete. So just an interesting dynamic right now for this backfield of you know, not knowing the right mix of who they need to keep in to pass protect. You know, We know who the better pass protectors are, and you know, in a bubble, who needs to be out there for what type of situation, but just in the heat of the game, it doesn't seem like they have the rotation quite figured out yet, and it's, it's past due time to know, you know, who needs to be out there and what situation in the backfield. And that falls personally on Tony Pollard's shoulders to not be these, this all-dynamic number one back that he was given the keys to be and hasn't worked out. But, yeah, that also goes on Gowdle and McCarthy, too, to, uh, 
you know, have these game plans figured out to the point of no longer needs to be out there and not letting the running back position be one that dictates exactly where the ball is going, which is exactly how the Eagles were able to uh, really diagnose a lot of where Prescott's foes were going late in this game. I'm going to quickly run through the Cowboys' birthdays on Monday. Uh, Troy Hambrick played running back. Well, really, there's there's only one that really matters, and that's Saturday. Cliff Harris, the Hall of Famer, turned 75 years old. It was a long time coming for him to get put into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I'm glad it, that he lived, you know, and actually saw it happen in 2020, the in, the uh, induction, 2021, the enshrinement. Uh, so there's basically your Cowboys birthdays. Uh, let's get to uh, the fault in our triangles, Sean. Yeah, I got my three points to it. I'm going to go first and foremost with Mike McCarthy. You know, we already dedicated a segment to it, but yeah, I'm going to put a lot of the blame on, on this one again. I just didn't see a sense of urgency from this offense. You know, I saw too much of that hero ball from Dyke Prescott that we've been desperate to get away from and find a coach that can let him play more balanced. And when I mean balanced, I mean also, you know, more run game. Like I just said, with the running backs being a key to the defense on what's happening, that hasn't been a positive in McCarthy's scheme all season. And it didn't, you know, fix itself magically against a very strong and ferocious Eagles defense that's led by a pass rush that got to Dyke Prescott. So speaking of pass rush, I'm going to go with right tackle. Terrence Steele was my second fault on the triangle. Certainly a rough day for him, you know, dealing with the speed of his own Reddick and this entire Eagles defensive line. He struggled against speed. He was either setting too deep at times, which didn't allow Prescott step up as the Eagles were able to, you know, counter back and get to the level of Prescott quickly and then be in his face or setting too sallow and just conceding the corner and, uh, you know, leading to sacks that were more devastating of a play in this game. Terrence Steele struggled. You could say, where was the help to get him, you know, a tight end or Jake Ferguson or Shoemaker chipping on the line, but your best passing plays was to get those guys out in the pattern. You know, Shoemaker was inches away from a pivotal touchdown and, uh, and Ferguson was one of your best receivers. So, that's where they were, and then it needs to fall on steel to be able to hold up in one-on-one pass protection. All season long, he's quiet. We kind of struggled, and it wasn't so quiet in this Eagles loss against a really good defensive front. And then I'm going to put, you know, preemptively, Jerry Jones is my third one because I'm going to assume for the worst that we're going to hear the same crusade, you know, I'm proud of how we battled out there, and, oh, our trade deadline was, you know, the guys that we brought in to – to be contenders, and this game didn't prove that we aren't contenders. We're going to see him again. I mean, we're going to hear all kinds of spin, I assume, from Jerry desperately trying to say that this team is still relevant and still in the fight. We laid it out for you pretty clear. You're going to hear this again as well, I'm sure, on multiple shows, that the path for this team staying relevant is still very much in front of them. Eagles have a hard schedule until they see you again. Cowboys have an easier schedule until they meet the Eagles at home again. So, sure, it's there, but do any of us want to hear it from Jerry? Do we want to go through this again of, you know, being sold on McCarthy being the answer and anybody on this offense besides maybe Dak and CDIM being the answer? I sure don't want to. I sure don't think so that the rest of the fan base is going to want to hear much of what he has to say this week. And so to complete my triangle of 
uh, our fault for this game, Mike McCarthy, Terrence Steele, and owner slash GM, Jerry Jones. All right, for me, it's Luke Schoonmaker because he didn't cut in far enough on that touchdown. And, uh, you know, then that's why it was ruled turnover on downs. Uh, Dak Prescott for stepping out of bounds on the two-point conversion. And then my third one is Texas A&M kicker Caden Davis for <laughs> missing that game-tying game field goal against Ole Miss. So Luke Schoonmaker, Dak Prescott, and Texas A&M kicker Caden Davis are my three faults in my triangle. Yeah, usually I save the uh, you know triangle of triumph is when we can have more fun and take some out of the context of the Cowboys game. But I'll sneak in one quick shout-out here. Uh, Twitter follower Andrew in Wisconsin chimed in this week, and he actually shares a birthday with me, uh, January 28th, 1996, and we were able to bond and talk about how that is the, uh, you know, it's the reason I'm a Cowboys fan and have been on this journey to come here and work for Blogging the Boys and be a part of this podcast, of course, and it's uh, also the game that made him a Cowboys fan, so we talked about what it's like to have that, uh, that date specifically make you a Cowboys fan, and also what it's like to do so against the grain in an area where you know, one fan base or one or two fan bases, in my case, are already pretty dominant. You know, I grew up in Giants slash Jets slash Eagles territory, so none of those three would point to, you know, why it makes sense to be a Cowboys fan. And uh, Andrew, like I said, being in Wisconsin, certainly such a strong Packers tradition, he uh, went against the mold as well to be a Cowboys fan, thanks to his birthday being on Super Bowl thirty when the Cowboys beat the Steelers. So that was certainly really cool. I told him I'd give him a shout-out, and uh, Andrew, here it is. All right, yeah. So if you want to shout out, follow Sean on Twitter at Sean Martin NFL, myself at the real Mark Lane. And uh well, we'll just have to see what happens next week, Sean, because uh and like you said, I mean, it'll be a I don't know if uh it'll be that much of a palate cleanser. Yeah, nobody loves talking smack to Giants fans more than me, but I mean, yeah, I'm just going to probably, you know, if, if the Cowboys do win, you know, let's just be humble about it, right? Because, look, we we have quite the pattern this season of how this team is playing, beat the good team, or struggle against the good teams, beat the, uh, you know, the ones you're supposed to, and that's just not good enough based on the full offseason of hype that this team was supposed to be much different this year, and we've yet to see it. This would have been a landmark game to say that they are different, finding a way to scrap out a win against the Eagles. There was just such a handful of plays that were right there for the taking. But the NFL is consistently a game of inches, and the teams that can get those inches win. And the Cowboys haven't been that team in quite some time, and they weren't that team on Sunday. So there it is. Yeah.